great because here's, again, as we've said over and over and over again, and hopefully this becomes every one of our habits, and I know how difficult this is. I know it's not a habit for me. I have to train my mind for this. If, if we can't be grateful and find something true and noble and right and pure, if we can't do that, we're going to be the most miserable people walking around trying to tell people that Christianity's great. Okay, you just can't do that. So that's fantastic. I mean, honesty, vulnerability. What else? What do you got, Jody? Um, I'm grateful for the, the, I'll call them kids, but they're not really kids. Yeah. But they're younger than my kids. So, um, <coughs> but the college, the college students yeah. drove up into my house Friday night, and there's a bunch of them sitting on the front porch watching a movie outside. Yeah. Yeah. That just made me, I just, that made me happy. Yeah. It made me thankful that there are, that there are a bunch of, a bunch of, you know, 18, 24-year-old yeah, right. young yeah. people who are yeah. committed to Jesus, and they were sitting at my porch that's right. on Friday. That well, let them in next time, would you? Golly. <laughs> 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 you know, like it's cold out here. Come on, Jody. But no, that's the truth. And, and here's something that can be lost, and this is what I love about having uh, the middle school kids. I like having the other kids in here earlier is that um, if we aren't really serious about um, – particularly I'm talking to the campus students about like growing spiritually and understand what I'm not saying. I don't mean growing in being able to argue doctrine better. I don't mean growing in, in some sort of religious culture. I'm talking about actually just emphatically loving Jesus. We're going to lose them. All right. I want you, I want you to think about that. Okay. Is that, would you be okay with that? Because one day, you know, there was a day me and Abby didn't have kids. And, you know, now that you have kids, you're like, wow, who's going to reach out to our kids? Right? And, and so that's something hopefully we do feel the burden of, of, man, there's more at stake in growing. Like, you know, we talk about, like, inviting your friends to be a part of something. Great. Inviting your friends to come and do this. Here, here's the reason why. Um, is because if we don't, um, we are essentially, like, we're going to lose the next generation. Like, it matters. It's not just about, like, having more people, right? And so that's really, it makes my heart happy, too. I love that. You know, you see it, and you're like, wow, this is, this is awesome. Okay? What else? Uh, yes, sir. I am uh, I'm grateful that me and this little baby made it yeah. here in one piece this morning. I'm really grateful for that. But then I'm also super grateful that for, like, our family here that I can, like, get up and completely ruin a song. Yes. And, and that we can just I love it. I know. It, it, it can be I love it. There's not so much pressure in here for it to be just perfect. Absolutely. Just so that we can come in and, and give our best. Absolutely. And, I love and it. Laugh together and praise <laughs> together and all that stuff. I love it. That, you're right. Right, right, right. But you know, the funny thing about that is, is there is something about that because, I mean, me and Abby for a few years were in a situation where if, it, if, if there was any sort of like slight imperfection, there was there was a- anger expressed, um, and I mean public anger, and, and, and I remember us feeling like, wow, I mean, w- this is not good, this isn't great, and so I'm the same way, I love that, I like that it's like, hey, okay, so we messed up a little bit, I mean, come on, it's, because, it, so what, right, that's awesome, that's why we have you lead more songs, I mean, you remind <laughs> us of that, <laughs> Bless, blessings, land on, Yeah. And then within an hour, a phone call from Yossi. Ah, uh, so yeah. It was just like a yes. fun Friday. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was just like, it was a butt dial. <laughs> kind of like a double whammy of people yeah. that I that's awesome. To, I didn't, well, I didn't ever live with Yossi. He just 
yeah. He was a, yeah, awesome, awesome. Yeah, it's great to have Yasi here. I haven't had that kind of like direct Yasi influence. Actually, the past two Sundays I have, Uh, because last Sunday I got to see him too. Up in where is that last Sunday? Yeah, in Triangle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Only seven days. I've seen him twice. That's amazing. Yeah. Like this family, yeah. because um, I, I know when we moved up here from the Atlanta area, we were lost. Like mm-hmm. we were trying to find a, a church where a church home where we could feel family again. We had found it when we became Christians in the arts ministry, and then when that was restructured, um, we were wandering. Yeah. Like we were in congregations, but we really weren't connected. We didn't yeah. have. We had a few friends, but it wasn't like family. Yeah, and so here, um, in all the imperfections that we have and all yeah. the challenges that we have, yeah. it's family. We can, yeah. um, you know, be ironing, iron, iron sharpening sharp iron, which yeah. sometimes is uncomfortable, <laughs> but at the end of the day, yeah, you know, I know everyone in here has my back. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Absolutely. That's awesome. Fantastic. Anybody else? Let's do one more. Kimberly. texting them a lot and calling them a lot and just like telling them that, telling them how grateful I've been for them. It's been kind of hard um, just with everything going on with school and all that, mm-hmm. but like they've been extremely encouraging all yeah. the time and really yeah. challenging me. So. Fantastic. I love it. This is great. So it's always good. Hopefully, you know, this is just a great thing to always start out any group because here's the deal is with gratitude. Doesn't gratitude kind of soften your heart? I mean, you could be in a bad mood, and then you start being like, you know, some, you might have even been angry that we were talking about something to be grateful for. But then once you think about it, you're like, ah, oh, yeah, this is, everything's going to be okay. All right? That's always a good thing, right? And so, um, so let's just constantly do this. This is, this is fantastic. Um, we're in Luke 7. We're talking about, um, it'll be up here in a second. So um, we're really winding down now. Um, we're on the back half of this sermon series of, of loving well. Um, we do know this, that um, loving well is not an option as a disciple, right? It just isn't. It's not one of those things where hopefully we'll be serious about this one day. Like this is everything, right? We know that from Paul's writings to the Corinthians when he said, you know, man, there can be disciples all over the place doing really amazing things. But you're going to irritate people because you don't love. You're not going to be representing Jesus. You aren't going to be that, okay? And so this is really, um, really, really important. Now, here's one of the things, hopefully you're learning the same thing I'm learning, um, is that in the attempt to grow in loving well, a lot of things come to the surface that show us how we don't love well. Have you had that? I mean, I have. I mean, I feel like I would love to do this sermon series, and every week is just victorious. That'd be great, you know, and just that's all the stories we have to tell. Except it's really funny is, is what's come out more and more is how I struggle with loving well. And I think it sounds like you're having the same experience, okay? That's okay, all right? But I want to be really, like, I want to challenge us on something, okay? We talk often that our goal isn't perfect performance, Remember that. I mean, that's really, really important because we cannot do things to make God like us. 
Okay, that is such a vital aspect that if we don't start, if you did not, if you're a disciple, all right, you have been washed of your sin. If you didn't wake up this morning realizing that God likes and loves me regardless of what my performance is, you've probably woken up on the wrong side of the bed. Okay, you've woken up with bad theology already. Because you're already, if you're starting from a place of distance, okay, you're, we're in bad places as disciples when we're in a, a place of distance. Like, okay, today I'm going to make him, I'm going to make up for what happened yesterday. All right? We've got to start at a place of closeness. That's the good news of why, you know, baptism isn't a doctrine. It's the good news. Okay? It's that idea of, man, you know what? You can enter into this relationship by no effort or work of your own. And you are close, like there is no distance any longer. So you can wake up and go, man, I'm working today spiritually from an area of closeness to God. Like that was your starting point and my starting point today, okay? But here's something that's really important. That doesn't mean poor effort is okay. Okay. That doesn't mean poor effort. I mean, sometimes I think what can happen is, is we're like, well, okay, performance doesn't matter. And I'm okay not trying very hard. Okay, that is not okay. Works and effort are two different things, okay? And so if you found yourself like, I'm hoping I'm going to learn to love well, just like naturally, God is just going to like churn this, this irresistible feeling out of me where I love well in the best situation, in the worst situation, it's not really going to happen that way, all right? There's going to be some really difficult parts that we're going to have to have some great effort in, all right, to do this. So we're talking here in Luke chapter 7, and um, this is a crazy story. This is so great uh, in Jesus' ministry, okay? In Luke chapter 7, um, we're going to be here in, uh, we're going to start in verse 36, okay? Um, this is a familiar story for many of you in here, okay? Luke 7, verse 36. Um, and, and if we don't, I heard a really great term or kind of like thing this week. Um, me, actually, me and Jody were able to go to a conference together in Nashville, Tennessee um, that was phenomenal. It, it was amazing. I mean, in lots of ways, and I'll share more about that uh, in the coming weeks. But um, somebody made a statement. They said, you know, there's a, there's, uh, what was it? Um, oh, there's a difference between being microwaved or marinated in the word. And that made so much sense because he said, you know what, do, do you show up to, to the world? Do you show up to your life in the morning and all you've done was microwave yourself in the word? Or is it a, are we marinating in the word? That's different, right? Okay. I mean, you think about the things that get marinated, you know, I mean, they soak up the juices. It takes time. There's effort and intentionality. Microwave, it's like, you know, we would be a little bit upset. I mean, think about it. We're about to go to places for Thanksgiving. And you show up to mom and dad's house at Thanksgiving, and they're like, listen, we just got the uh, Swanson's TV dinner microwave turkey slices that we're going to throw in the microwave, okay? I'd be like, really? Come on now. I mean, that would be different than the turkey that is basted in the juices. You know, it, it will taste different. It's not rubbery. Some of you may be going, well, that's what we're doing, okay? I don't know, all right? I'm just saying my point is this. Okay, it has nothing to do with turkey. Microwave food is not as good as marinated food. Okay, it, it just takes time to soak it in. Okay, Luke seven, 
verse 36, I want you to hear this. I want you, if you need to close your eyes and hear this, I want you to think of, of, of what this would look like in real terms. Like what, what was the scenario, okay? And at the same time, I want you to be listening, and this has probably already happened since we've been here, since we've been singing, since we've been in the fellowship. Maybe it's been going on for weeks, is what is God saying to you? What is he revealing to you? What is he asking of you? Okay, and you may hear something and go, okay, that's what I'm hearing from him, okay? I want you to just be sensitive to that. Luke 7, verse 36, then, uh, then one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to eat with him. And he entered the Pharisee's home and reclined at the table and a woman in the town who was a sinner found out that Jesus was reclining at the table in the Pharisee's home. Um, let's really stop there just to paint a little bit of a picture, okay? Do not picture your dining room, all right? Reclining at the table actually meant reclining at the table. Like you were actually like, like this. Okay, well, I'll just show you. You're like this. I'm going to preach like this. Just look at me. Don't turn your eyes away. But, but that's what it would look like. I, I want you to picture that. Is it was built for that. The table was built for that. Okay? And there was enough room, okay, where people who were serving at the table could come up behind you and serve food, okay? Like, that's really important to understand because if you're thinking your dining room in a home that has two deadbolts on the front door, this story gets really, really strange because you're like, why is there a woman coming in here and like she's crying at his feet? And, you know, all of these things is well, how we picture this is really important. OK, and so you would, li- you would literally be reclining the woman. What was this woman's sin? I mean, she says she's a sinner. Tell me what the sin was. OK, woman of the city. Right. OK, maybe. Maybe. What else? What else do you have? What was her sin? What would you tell somebody if they asked you? Yeah. Why that? Well, okay, that's what you're, okay, that may be one of the English translations. Okay. But our starting point oftentimes is she's an adulterer. Okay. And actually, when you go back and you look at this, it's like, no, she was just like, that's what people would say about her is, man, that's a, she's a sinner. I mean, she's probably not a Jew, all right, but she's known around town. All right, I want you to think about that. What would that be like for you? All right, if that's who you're known for, whether it's because you cheated people or you stole from people or you were immoral or you were an adulterer or something like that, I just don't want us to pin her into this place where she's just like the prostitute, Okay. Because it really isn't, it's just this lady that you would go, oh, everyone knows her. I mean, she's the sinner, all right? We don't use that word as much anymore, but we use other words to degrade people, right? And she's also, and the point that it, that, that of this writing right here, um, as, as this is going down, is there was a woman who came, uh, and she was a sinner, and, who found out Jesus was there. Once again, probably not a Jew, all right, we're going to talk about that a little bit later, but I just want that to be, your, be, be, be in your mind, okay? So she found out, and, and so even as you picture the table, even as you picture this, it very well may have been something that could have even been kind of like a porch 
to a certain degree, like a three-walled porch where you have this, you know, this, this into the home, but it's kind of, you know, it wasn't a deadbolted front door. This wasn't unnormal, in fact, to have happen that people may come and drop by, okay? It's very different than our culture, all right? So it wasn't that, I don't want you to think, man, she broke in and, you know, all that kind of stuff. It's like, no, but it's very weird that this lady would be here. Like that she found out Jesus was here, okay? So anyway, let's pick this up, Luke 7, uh, and it says here that she brought a jar of fragrant oil. And she stood behind him at his feet, weeping, and began to wash his feet with her tears. And she wiped his feet with the hair of her head, kissing them and anointing them with fragrant oil. And when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, very like think about this, he said to himself, this man, if he were a prophet, would know who and what kind of woman this is who's touching him. She's a sinner. And Jesus then replied to him, I love this part. Could you imagine? How cool would it be to have this gift? Like you could read someone's mind and then you call them out on it. Like I know what you're saying. Hey, Simon, I have something I'd like to talk to you about. Have you ever had that done before? Like you're thinking something and then somebody kind of like comes and approaches you. That's, I've had that happen before. And you're like, oh, man, did, did I say what I just thought? Did that come out of my mouth, right? And, and uh, Jesus says, Simon, let's talk, buddy. I want to talk to you. And he's a teacher. He said, say it. Jesus said, I want to tell you a story. A creditor had two debtors. One owed him 500 denarii, the other 50. Since they couldn't pay it back, either of them, he graciously forgave them both. Which one will love him more? Okay, don't worry about the denarii. Don't worry about what does that mean. Just one owed a lot and one owed not as much. Okay, he says, which one? So let's stop and think about that right there. I want you to think about this question of Jesus. Which one will love him more? And Simon answered, I suppose the one he forgave more. And he says, you've judged correctly. And then he turned to the woman. And he said to Simon, do you see this woman? Like, really, put yourself in Simon's shoes right here. Could you imagine the almost embarrassment that would happen if you were hosting something? And a guy that you clearly don't have much respect for in Jesus starts telling you, like, hey, Simon, I want you to look at this lady right here. Because clearly you've seen her weeping. You've heard her crying. You've seen what she's done. You've seen what's been happening. I want you to look at her right now. Do you see her? I entered your house and you can give me any water from my feet. But with her tears, she has washed my feet and wiped them with her hair. You didn't even give me a kiss, but she hasn't stopped kissing my feet since I came in. You didn't anoint my head with olive oil, but she has anointed my feet with fragrant oil. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven. That's why she loved much. But the one who is forgiven little loves little. That's an amazing principle that we need to kind of stop at for a second. Okay. For Jesus to say that. Now, here's something very interesting about this. This is something where, like, this is a... Jesus has forgiven her already. In some way, shape, or form, it alludes to this idea of she knew and has already come in contact with Jesus. All right? That they've somehow already had a conversation of some sort. That they've already, like she knew, and now she's here finding him, and she's weeping, and she's got her hair down, and she's washing his feet. And, and you know, you can imagine kind of the scene. 
here, it's really interesting because we see two prominent people in this story, right? You have Simon. I mean, there's more than that, but you have Simon, the Pharisee, who knows of Jesus. And you see the woman who knows Jesus. And there's a, there's a huge difference in the two of those. And, and I fear that in our Christian culture, we will become very comfortable knowing of Jesus. And when we know of Jesus, then all of a sudden there may be some things about Jesus that put us off. There may be some things about Jesus that we may think, I'm not going to do that. Okay? But when we know Jesus, that's very different. Okay? And so you have this, you have these, these, uh, these, these folks, both of them seem to be consumed with Jesus. But in very different ways. She's absolutely consumed with Jesus. Like, this is the guy right here. I, I mean, this is all I can do. And Simon the Pharisee seems to be as well, except he's cynical and like, Jesus, why don't you prove yourself to me? And you're not even a prophet. Like, he thought in his own mind, like, if he were, have you ever thought that? Like, here's the truth. Listen, let's just be honest about this. I know it would be great for every one of us that you get baptized and you will never have a doubt for the rest of your life. Is that real? Are you okay having a doubt about Jesus and being in a safe relationship? It, like less, there's less noise coming from you guys when I say that. All right? Because sometimes we think, listen, that has got to be my greatest secret if I ever doubt, because that must mean that I don't have faith in Jesus and then he can't save me. Okay? Except the truth of the matter is, is we, we see a fair number of people in the Bible that doubt God and doubt Jesus who are his followers. All right. And the worst thing we can do is like keep that a secret. All right. Like, oh, man, I can never talk about that. So the point isn't that Simon the Pharisee had some kind of doubt. But the truth of the matter is we do sometimes, too. Right. Like we read the Bible and we see things. and We're like, huh, really, is Jesus like he didn't do this for me or he didn't answer this prayer or or whatever. You name the scenario where it's really easy for this to to kind of well up inside of us. But Simon the Pharisee was just like, man, here's, I doubt you, because if you knew, if you really were Jesus, you would know who is doing this to you right now, and this is not the person you want around you, okay? I know, I understand this. I understand in our, in, in this room right here, there is no prejudice in this room, right? We have, got, we have risen above society, Right? I mean, we talk about it as a church. We did a whole series on it. We, I mean, of course, it's everyone else, right? Right. <laughs> right. But here's the truth. As much as we want to pat ourselves, everyone, as much as we want to pat ourselves on the back, that, man, the world is so prejudiced, and we have risen above, and we have all these things. Here's the, here's the truth of the matter is, is that um, substitute this woman for someone in our society that we would go, what is Jesus doing? Well, that person should not be with Jesus. And, and believe me, our prejudice goes beyond skin color. Okay? It goes into what we see. It goes into what we hear. It goes into what we think. Okay? And that's what happened right here. Is somebody that the Pharisee is going, they ain't clean enough to be near that dude if he's really who he says he is. I want you to think about, who would that be that you would say that about? Who would that be? All right? Would it be a homeless person? Would it be somebody who's a different color? Would it be somebody who's a different, heaven forbid, denomination? What's that Baptist doing near Jesus? Right? 
You might have been thinking that. Just I don't know. I mean, I'm just saying that we have this in our mind uh, of this. We can be this guy, okay? And so you have him saying this. Um, and, and Jesus, it's really fascinating, Jesus taught. I want our hearts to hear this, okay? Is he tells Simon something like, Am I, I wasn't even worth your water. <laughs> I, I wasn't even worth, like water doesn't even cost you anything. You didn't have any water for my feet. Like it's dirty out there. Like that's, a, that's just a hospitable thing to do. You didn't even greet me. I know it's weird that he's like, Simon, you didn't even kiss me. Okay, it, seriously, he's just like, no, you didn't even greet me. Like you did not warmly welcome me into your home. He didn't even do that. The, the woman that you're thinking so horrible about, man, she couldn't stop welcoming me into her life. She couldn't stop making me know that I, that I am wanted and desired in her life. I want you to think about those words. If Jesus were to go, am I even worth, what's that, what's the, what do you fill in the blank with? All right? Because here's the truth of the matter is, is, is uh, so often we can fill in the blank of like, you know what, you're not even worth me giving up any sleep in the morning. You ain't worth that to me. <laughs> Come on, bro. You're not even worth my, like, like, you mean benevolent? You mean like being generous in my giving? I'm not talking about like contribution, but I mean just generous in life with my money. Jesus, you're not worth that to me. Like I got things I want that you aren't worth. Right? There's time I won't give up. And we are, listen, man, this is what's really tough. For us because so many things seem so eternally important right now in our lives like here's the truth that matters i love that you guys are getting your college degrees i do i think you spend too much time in them you you, you guys spend time in them like it's eternal i have a college i have two college degrees i'm not the dumb guy up here that doesn't have a degree Right? That's just saying, oh, no, y'all. No, 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 no. Listen, I have a master's degree. And here's what I'm saying is, in 100 years, it ain't going to matter. No one will care. No one cares now. Okay? I mean, that's the truth of the matter. No one's going around going, man, I wonder if Keith has a degree. (laughs) You know what doesn't matter right now? How much time I spent on my homework. There's only one thing that mattered when I was in school, becoming a disciple. That's it. You don't know what? Here's the deal. Is when me and Abby were in college... And I was in grad school. She was an undergrad. And, and we had a ton of things going on in the church. If, if, if over the, I don't know how many years we lived in Tallahassee, as maybe 15 years as disciples. If we missed in 15 years five events, I think that would be too high. <laughs> five events. I'm not talking about Sunday morning service. I mean, Sunday and Wednesday was just like, no-brainer. You have homework. I was in grad school. I was working in, for the football team at FSU. I mean, hours and hours and hours. I mean, super long days. We'd drive an hour to go to church. You never even thought of staying home. Ever. I mean, I'm talking about like work parties. We would have work parties as a church, okay, where you would go and pull weeds at the church, 100% of the disciples would be there. You wouldn't miss. Did we not have homework? Of course we had homework. Did we not have fun things to do? Of course we had fun things to do. 
But there was one single thing that was more important that was going to be eternal. The people we were pulling weeds with, we were going to be together. That's the only thing that's going to matter in 100 years, okay? And so this is what I'm saying. I'm not saying don't do your homework. I'm not saying don't be serious about it. I'm not saying any of those things. But I am saying this is that I think we can put too much importance. Okay, here's what I hear quite a bit is any event of the body tends to be fourth on the depth chart. Like there's classes, there's homework, there's anything fun I want to do. And then if, if all of those things have been, have been, like, figured out, then I'll consider being with the body. Okay? Here's what I'm saying is Jesus very possibly would say, I wasn't even worth it, huh? I wasn't even worth Maybe you're going to have to stay up a little later and do some homework. I wasn't even worth it? Like, to come together with brothers and sisters without complaining, like, about the singing or about the whoever and all this kind of stuff? I wasn't even worth it to you, you know? And I really, listen, I want us to hear this, all right? Because I am fearful, okay? And I'm not saying that, man, unless, unless you, you know, whatever. I mean, you can listen to whatever I'm saying. All I really want to get across is that if Jesus, his body, and helping your friends become a disciple is fourth on the depth chart, I think Jesus has a problem with that. Seriously. Like, I think he's going to come and go, what, you couldn't spend time with your friend to help him become a disciple? Why? You know, and so I'm just, I'm, I'm just saying that as a guy, okay? I'm going to tell you about the guy who helped me become a disciple, and I think about this on these weekends because he, he's the team doctor for Florida State. He, he's a team doctor. He leads the church in Tallahassee, and he has his own medical practice, and he has three children. When me and Abby were coming up, they were young children, okay? And what I'm grateful for is that he didn't say, no, 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 all this comes fifth on my depth chart. All right. You, you, I don't know anyone that's that busy. I don't know. I do not know anyone who is that busy. All right. And I am so thankful that he wasn't like, okay, when I get around to it, then I'll do that. And we're talking about medical practice. The entire athletic department at Florida State, he's one of three team doctors. Okay. His morning is starting out. He goes and does a, a, a morning medical practice he opens a medical office in the athletic department at 6 30 in the morning to start seeing patients there and then goes and does his own practice okay so why am i saying all that is because i think that jesus would say listen what am i worth i know you got things i know there's fun things to do i know there's great things to do but jesus can't be fourth on the depth chart Okay. Was I even worth this? Okay. But here he says something, and this is what I want us to just marinate on here. Okay. Forgiveness. He says, this woman was forgiven much. I want you to think about when was the last time you thought about that word in your personal context, like what that actually means. Okay. To her, she probably wasn't a Jew. And one of the ways that we, that a lot of people kind of think that is the simple fact that one of the things that she did was kiss his feet. And that was actually a pagan practice. Okay. I know that the, it's good news, the feet of the messenger that comes with good news. I get all that. Jews did not kiss feet, though. Okay? That's what you would do in the pagan world. Like, you would kiss the idol's feet. Okay? That was more of a pagan thing. Okay? But he says this. She's been forgiven much. In your context, when was the last time you thought about what that was really like? Because here's the truth. He says, when, you forgi- when you're forgiven much, you love much. And we see her loving Jesus, okay? 
But we see plenty of other passages where this was going to take her out into the world. And because of her love for Jesus, right? I mean, this is one of the things. Oh, it's not even on. Uh, this is one of the things that um, was our definition of loving well, right? Is when we love others the way Jesus loves us. Okay? So you have this woman, and he says, the, the reason she loves well is because she's been forgiven much. When was the last time you thought about that? Okay, Because although she wasn't a Jew, she understood judgment. And in fact, if she was a sinner in the Roman Empire, there was a really good chance that she, was going to get, she could get punished. And she probably wasn't like a, a super elite person. Okay, In the Roman Empire, when you would get caught like cheating, stealing, counterfeiting, you know, whatever it was, they, many times the, you would be killed. You, you would get the death penalty. They would bury you alive, throw you off a cliff, stone you, something like that, okay? I mean that, so you look at it as she's very aware of what judgment looks like, all right? That she could be brought in in the Roman Empire and put to death. But sometimes as disciples, we forget because it's really hard. We don't want to think of hell. We don't want to think of judgment. And we don't want to use the word sin, but Jesus is using all of those in that one word of forgiveness. She's been forgiven. How much, when she had to think about this, have you been forgiven of today? I want to show us something, okay? There are two clips. Um, and before I get into it, have you ever been in a position where you felt like you just got caught and you're about to be in so much trouble? Okay, I've, I've shared with you guys, the, the two highlights of my life is when I got caught cheating on a final exam in college. Right? That's, I mean, it's coming down. I mean, you know, you can get expelled from the university never to be brought back in again. Okay? And when I got into a bar fight, um, right, the night before the Florida, Florida State game, okay, I got arrested. Sitting in the backseat of the police car and thinking, dude, can I tell you how fast my heart was beating? Okay? (laughs) Right? Have you ever been there before? You know, where you're like, I just did something and I'm about to be caught and just. I want to show you two clips of people in court. One is when they're hearing the verdict read back to them. Like they're on trial. And the first clip is a teenager. And, and you may not be able to hear, it's not super loud, but what the judge is doing is reading back all the things they're guilty of. And he knows it's coming. He knows what's coming. All right? And here's the deal is this is not a scare tactic. I want you to be really clear. This is a reality thing. Like, there actually will be a day that that will happen. I want you to think, man, uh, I I really want us to get to that place, okay, to understand this. I want us to watch this, uh, this first one here, um, and and, and just to get some some context.
Yeah, so what do you think? He was a good kid or a bad kid? Yeah, no, I'm just saying, like, overall in his life, I mean, don't you think there's some folks in his life that go, but he's a good kid? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, we're crazy to think that, you know, he, yeah, he did something wrong, apparently, obviously, but I mean, he has people in his life who love him, who would say, no, no, please don't do that. He was a good kid. He was great, okay? here's the deal. How great would it be if someone stopped and said, take my place? You're off the hook. I mean, did you, can you feel the terror that was going in this kid's life? I mean, there is terror going on right there. Here's the deal is, is, is we should understand that of the penalty of sin. I think we think that sin is just one of those things and we just try to do Christianity the best we can and in the end, Jesus is just going to be happy with everybody and all that kind of stuff and realizing, no, actually sin requires this. Okay, and I want you to think about is what if you, you, know, you get to the point where Jesus came back and, and I'm just painting this picture and what if you had to sit there while he read the judgment of what you did? There would be plenty of people going, but he's so good though. But that person is so neat, and he was so, but he did good things too. And he also said, but I want you to hear, like, as it's read, everything, okay, from being immoral and hateful and vengeful and bitter and prejudiced and just going down and not just saying it but showing you what that looked like in our lives. The terror that you would feel knowing that there, he's going to stop in a second. And the next reality I have could be in hell okay how terrifying would that be where you could pray all you want just like here you could pray all you want man the die has been cast all right sometimes we lose that side of the heaviness of judgment and so we don't remember anything about being forgiven and so we love little Because a lot of us, we all share this in common. We all feel like we're the ones that should be okay to go to heaven. Like when it comes to me, I feel like, well, yeah, I can make up a whole lot of arguments as far as why I should. And so when we're forgiven little, we love little. But I want to just think about this. The next one, the next clip here um, is a a clip, and I forget which one. There was a couple I was going to use. Um, but we'll just watch it here. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, um, uh, I, I don't know. This may be, me and Royce might be the, or me and Royce and Jody might be the only ones. I mean, yeah, this is, uh, OJ Simpson. This is OJ Simpson. India, Ryan. Yeah, okay. There's more of us in here. Okay, Sue. So, uh, but there's more of us. This was the, the news event of our, of the decade in the 90s, I think, right? Um, and, and here's the deal is, is, is I, want you to, I want you to consider something here is me putting this clip up here. It's like, oh, he must think he was guilty or no, he must think he was innocent. Don't try to figure all that out. OK, <laughs> here's the truth of the matter is you got a guy that's hearing the verdict and he's not sure what they're going to say. OK. All right, Mr. Cox, Mr. Simpson, would you please stand and face the jury? This is Robertson. Superior Court of California, County of Los Angeles. In the matter of the people of the state of California versus Orenthal James Simpson, case number BA097211. 
We, the jury in the above entitled action, find the defendant Orenthal James Simpson not guilty of the crime of murder in violation of Penal Code Section 187A, a felony upon Nicole Brown Simpson, a human being, as charged in Count 1 of the information. Superior Court of the State of California, County of Los Angeles, in the matter of the people of the State of California v. Orenthal James Simpson. We, the jury in the above entitled action, find the defendant Orenthal James Simpson not guilty of the crime of murder in violation of Penal Code Section 187A, a felony upon Ronald Lyle Goldman, a human being, as charged. Okay, so here's what I want you to think about with that one, okay? Is, um, I want you to put yourself in that place, and you hear, and you're thinking, wow, this is coming down the pike, and you hear, not guilty. You are free. Okay? And, and the truth of the matter is, I mean, we're, we're up there. We would be in that place totally guilty. Could you read over and over and over again, and you can feel that there's two places where this should just overflow. Number one, this is what's cool about baptism, right? Yeah. Is because you're sitting there as a guilty person, and you are judged at that moment of baptism. Not guilty. Okay? That's awesome. Okay? That is phenomenal. Except that's not the end of the story, right? Just like when you got married, just because you said I do, you can't go, I'm just going to live however I want now. You, you got to keep staying in a relationship with Jesus, okay? Because there's another time when, when we're going to go back and go, oh, okay, okay. Did you, did you honor that? Not guilty. Because here's Jesus. We, they could play whatever DVD they want of our lives, and Jesus coming in front and going, Whatever the punishment was, I'll take it. Could you imagine being that scared and that much terror going on? And then at the last minute, have somebody go, I got this. Okay? Is Jesus is saying when we understand and realize the forgiveness we have, we will love much. And that may be the sticking point. Like one of the things that I thought of as I read that, I'm like, you know what? I'm not really in touch emotionally, intellectually with my sin. Like I know it's there. I talk to brothers about it. Like I share things. But as far as, you know what forgiveness is? Forgiveness is spiritual, emotional, and intellectual, right? All of those areas are hit on there, which is the idea for us is the spiritual realm, which is great. But when you've been forgiven, there's like, this understanding and this emotion that comes with it that you almost feel like you could do anything when you've been let off the hook. But the only way, if, if, if mine and yours reality is that I don't want to examine my sin, I'd rather examine other people's sin. Like there's other people worse than me. And, and, and sometimes, embarrassingly, embarrassingly enough, I feel like that can be my spiritual act of worship. It's showing people how bad their sin is. Right? And I think the reason that I don't love well is because I don't think I've, contrib- I don't think I've thought very often about the forgiveness that happened at baptism, that happens every moment of every day, that continues to happen, that, will, that, that there will be a not guilty verdict when Jesus comes back. I think about that like almost none. Okay? And so it shouldn't surprise me that I don't love well. 
And it probably shouldn't surprise you if you don't love wealth. And I want you to think about this is if our definition of loving well is loving others how Jesus loved me. I want you to think about the last two or three weeks. How have you loved well? Like who have you loved well? What words have come out of your mouth where it's been degrading? All right. What, what words have come out of your mouth that have built, uh, broken down? When have those words come out where you have, just haven't treated somebody the way Jesus treated you? Okay? This is such a cool thing, but here's the deal. This is what I struggle with. Okay? I would love to say something that we would be connected emotionally with the forgiveness of sins right now. And, and, and even in your mind, you might be going, man, you know what? I didn't realize the baptism. Listen, until our sins are washed away, we are standing guilty. We are. I mean, it's just you're standing guilty, okay? I wish there was a way that I could say something that would emotionally connect all of us to our, to our sin and to this reality. I wish there was, but here's the truth of the matter is the Bible doesn't give anyone that authority. The Bible actually says it's going to be harder than that. It'd be great. Wouldn't it be awesome if you were so inspirational? You could just say a word and everybody's like, oh my goodness, I can't believe how awesome that was. Now I know how forgiven I am. I'm like, hey, Right. Here's the reason why is, is Jesus isn't into quick fixes. Unless it's him forgiving your sin. (laughs) Okay. He ain't into us just with the quick fix. And this may be bad news. All of us want to get in shape without ever getting sore. All of us want to lose weight without ever feeling hungry. All of us want that thing. Like, what can you show me? that I can do, that I won't get tired, my muscles won't hurt, I don't have to get up early, and I can eat everything I want, and have all the McDonald's and Taco Bell. Right, exactly, okay? That's what we want, okay? Jesus says this, blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are those who mourn. And, um, and the truth of the matter is, is that um, I know for me, my takeaway is that there has to be some significant time set aside to begin mourning. This isn't fast. This can't be done at 15 minutes in the morning while you're brushing your teeth. This can't be done just like trying to fit it in somewhere. This has got to be an intentional thing. Like I'm going to set time aside and go through and begin mourning my sin. And mourning. You mean Jesus had to die for that? You mean, you mean all the things that I can say to Jesus and, say, and, and he could ask me, like, was I even worth it? And then he turns around on the cross and says, you, this is what you're worth to me. This is what you're worth to me. And also this, and I'm going to finish up with this, James chapter 4. Okay. This is, this is hard in our superficial world. Um... This, uh, this is hard because we don't want to think about sin being bad. We don't want to be vulnerable oftentimes. I was listening to a radio, show, uh, a sports radio talk show on the way in this morning, and the guy was ta- actually talking about how this afternoon he was going to have to go to a memorial service for his sister or brother-in-law. And he said that he's really worried that he's just going to start cracking up in the memorial service because he makes a joke out of everything. Because that's how he guards his heart. I mean, he's sharing this on sports talk, right? He's like, this is how he guards his heart. This is how he doesn't let himself get into the drama. This is how he, and you want to know what? That's probably, we relate to that. 
is if we, we laugh, we have a good time, we like to joke. I love to joke. Yeah, no. so, can't even imagine that. James chapter 4, verse 9. Actually, up here, just a little bit in verse 4, uh, he, he makes a statement. He says, don't you know that friendship with the world is hostility towards God? That's really important to know as we read this. Because he's saying, you want to know what? There's, there's a reason I'm writing this to you. is because you're becoming friends with the world. And the world is superficial, and the world doesn't want vulnerability, and the world doesn't want to think about sin and all of these things. Don't be friends with that. He says in this, verse 9, be miserable and mourn and weep. Your laughter must change to mourning and your joy to sorrow. Humble yourself before the Lord, and he'll exalt you. All right? That's going to be really hard for us. That is going to be really, really, really hard for us. But here's what I do get from Jesus' teaching and what he teaches in Luke 7. I don't think any of us are going to learn to love well if we don't do this. I don't think it can happen. Because this principle is true. If you've been forgiven much, you love much. If we've been forgiven much and we understand that, we will love much. We will love well. This will transform us right here. Be miserable and mourn and weep. Your laughter must change to mourning and your joy to sorrow so let's not even like break that down I'm going to put that on you to break down I'm going to put that on you and you want to know what there, there may be some that go okay whatever um, but this, this really is it there is no quick fix there isn't any quick fix here that's why we're doing the communion with the sermon okay together is because this is completely one message right here is this idea of Jesus even asking, what am I worth to you? And I'm going to show you what you're worth to me. And how does that add up? And is there even any effort here? And do you even know what this cost me when I went to the cross? Do you understand? That's what I want us to hear in our ears is him going, do you understand what this means? How much forgiveness this is? Do you even realize that the smallest little sin would have to be judged? And it just may require us. I mean, here's the truth of the matter is, is, is my expectation isn't some great emotional response right now. I think we need to talk. I think listening, what has God revealed to you today? Like, like what is it that he's telling you that you're thinking, I won't say that. <laughs> I won't talk about that. I don't want to think about that. I don't want to think about that. I don't want to think about what I did. I don't want to think about where I'm at. I don't want to think about these things. I don't want to talk about this stuff. I don't want to mourn. If you've never mourned before, it's not the funnest thing in the world. All right? There ain't nobody I know that's like, wow, I cannot wait to go and mourn. All right? It is no fun at all. All right? Uh, but we've, this is just that important in order for us to love well.